All right, welcome to another edition of Off Topic, courtesy of BackSportsPage.com and Level 1 Games in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. My name is Randy Zelia, the host and the founder of BackSportsPage, along with BackSportsPage's own uh, Tommy Smith. He's one of our uh, wrestling writers, I guess that's a wrestling media folk, I guess that we'll call him. And our special guest, as you see right below us, is if you might have recognized his face from WWE television, uh, he was Santino Morella on wwe tv his name is anthony corelli and anthony thanks for joining us on a holiday monday happy labor day and i hope everything is going okay with you my friend it is yeah it's hard to enjoy holidays after this whole covid thing especially when we were off for like four months uh, even when we first started uh, back at the gym august 1st was a holiday and i'm like we just had four months off. We didn't need a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny to you say that I, I, I have to know as a business owner who, um, you know, especially in, in your type of business, what was it like having to sort of close down during the COVID operation and really, you know, didn't have to come up with a plan knowing that you couldn't be at full capacity right away. And what was that like for you? It was amazing, man. It, it was, uh, I work on the weekends and I work, basically seven days a week, and I was. And there was a time in the beginning of the year I worked like three months straight. And, you know, it takes its toll on your health. I started getting chest pains, and uh, my wife and I were getting along the best. And all of a sudden this thing called COVID-19 came. Man, chest pains gone. My wife and I are like just crazy about each other lately. It's awesome. Um, We just enjoyed each other's we just enjoyed life. We went bike riding every day and it was really an eye opener. And I just said, like, check out how happy we are when we're not working seven days a week. Go figure. Um, so it kind of really made us, we're, we're rearranging our lives, you know, our lives. And um, I'm, I'm selling part of the gym to some guys that are going to manage it and run it. And I'm going to step away and move up north and semi retire and just do the things I like to do and not have to be. Uh, handcuffed to this gym anymore uh, and it's a great facility right there's a lot of awesome things that go on there kids that are chasing their dreams of becoming olympic athletes kids that are becoming professional wrestlers people that are losing weight and getting their health back so there's a lot of great stuff out there it's just it's too much for for one person to to control there has to be a a, a team in there so now we gotta got ourselves a team and also, you know, people, of course, remember you from WWE television. Um, what was it like stepping away from the business, stepping away from that limelight and running the school and, and doing your, your real, your, I guess, you know, judo has always been a passion of yours. Yeah. Doing, doing that uh, and stepping away from the limelight and not being on television every week. Yeah. You know what? At the time it was okay. I was totally at peace with, with, stepping back to being a regular person. And, and in fact, when I first started with the WWE, one of the things I didn't anticipate not liking was kind of being a celebrity, <clears throat> people freaking out. Like, oh my God, you're on WWE. And I was like, come on, man. I'm just I'm a regular guy. Just It's a cool job. But I'm not, please don't put me on a pedestal. And, and I used to hate it actually when uh, friends, if I'm with one of my buddies, hey, you know who this guy is? That's Santino Morello at WWE. And I'm like, don't do that, man. I hate that. <laughs> and uh, so so I was ready to just kind of be uh, Anthony from the neighborhood again. And uh, also, I opened the gym when I was still with WWE. So the gym was up and running 
So when my contract expired, the gym was, you know, standing on its own two feet. So it was a pretty seamless transition, to be honest. And uh, it was it was great to just be a regular person again because you're on the road. Like, gosh, when did I leave? Uh, it was ten years I was on the road straight. Like ten years, you're barely home. And, and three of those years, you know, one year I was in Japan for a year. Then I moved to Louisville for two years. And then on the road with WWE, I think, for eight straight. And you're home for like – because there was a long a while where we were doing both TVs. So if I fly out Friday, I'm getting home Wednesday morning, Wednesday at noon. And then I'm flying out again Friday morning. So a day and a half at home, wow. not enough. Yeah. So it was, wow. it, was, it was nice to just stay home cook again instead of eating out at restaurants and all that fun stuff. Tommy, do you, I know you wanted to jump in with one, Tommy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to introduce myself. I'm a writer for Beck Sports Page. Uh, you were kind of around when I was growing up. You know, you debuted in, uh, I want to say, 2007, yeah. winning the Intercontinental Championship on your first night. And I kind of followed your career up until uh, you retired just tell me what is what is it like you know a lot of people don't come in to their first match their first real appearance on tv and get such a a giant rub i mean you you went into a match with umaga you come from the crowd you take the title off him with the health of body lashley like take me through that what, what was going through your head as you were as that happened you know as you got to tv that day and you know just everything that went on throughout the day <clears throat> yeah it was interesting so i had gotten signed Gosh, I think it was August. Was it August? August of 06. And then I had to return to Canada while they processed my work visa because the developmental OVW was in was in Louisville. So I returned like in, I think, November. And I wrestled there in November, December. Went home for uh, the holidays. Then I came back and went back to work. You know, January, February, March. Just busting my ass, going to class, watching tape, learning my craft. But I was still green. So when I was wrestling in Japan, I was 30 years old, and we were doing that work shoot style. There was nothing really WWE-ish with storytelling, etc. And I started wrestling late. So I started training at 28 years old. I had my first match at 29. At the age of 30, for the whole year, I'm in Japan. And then I get kicked out of Japan because I overstayed one of my tourist visas. And I had to reformulate my game plan. So then I moved to Louisville, Kentucky. So now I'm 31 years old. And I'm learning the WWE style from scratch at 31 years old. So I'm, you know, the clock is ticking. I'm behind the eight ball already. Uh, so I busted my ass. I was blessed with a, a coach of a lifetime, Rip Rogers, who taught me everything and, and really in an expedited fashion. And um, I got signed at 32. And I debuted at 33. So we made we made a, a quick work of it. So anyway, I'm driving to a live event, an OVW live event. This is on a Friday. And I get a call from Talent Relations. So I'm already signed to a developmental at this point. <clears throat> and it was Mike Bucci, uh, who was Nova in uh, ECW. And my name was Boris. So he's like, hey, Boris, it's Nova. He goes, um, your background's really Italian, right? I'm like, yeah, my, dad, my dad's from Italy. And he goes, can you speak Italian? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. And <laughs> I couldn't very well. But Dusty Rhodes told me, if they ever ask you if you can do anything, you say yes. 
and then you better learn how to do it. So I said yes, and they go, okay, well, we're, we're sitting here at a board table with a bunch of writers, and you know, uh, Vince has his idea and as it for his Italian character. So can you say some stuff in Italian for us? So I said a few lines <laughs> that I used to um, I used to drive for one year. I, I drove in rush hour traffic every day downtown Toronto for this media company. And every day I would listen to this Italian cassette, just conversational Italian flip sides, just keep listening to it over and over every day in rush hour to like almost, you know, memorize the entire cassette. And I just said a couple lines from that cassette and I could see them look, kind of looking around going, I don't know, sound pretty good. I, I don't know. And then, so that was a Friday they sent me my passport. They had my passport for some reason. They sent it to me. I flew out Saturday, and then I landed on Sunday, and then I had a day in Milan walking around waiting for everybody to get there because this is in the middle of a tour. And then everyone showed up that night, and the next day was Monday Night Raw. So, you know, I get down on the bus, and everyone's in the middle of the tour, and they're kind of – some people from OVW that were there, like Melina and Beth Phoenix, they saw, oh, my God, Boris, what are you doing here? Um but some of the other guys are like, Shawn Michaels said he thought I was one of the office guys. <laughs> he just showed up. And um, that was it. Yeah, then, then then someone said, Vince wants to talk to you. And uh, met him that day. And it was a nice conversation. And then we, um, the producer, I think, was Michael Hayes for that particular segment. And then we, we met by the ring and talked about what we're going to do. And that was it. And then book a bite to eat and when the show starts they're going to bring you to your seat and and then the rest is what you saw on, on, on tv yeah i mean it's got to be such a you know harrowing experience to just kind of jump in and you know you immediately like you said you come from ovw i'd heard you talk about in, a, in another interview the the cassette tape and i forget which wrestler you mentioned but you said that uh they asked him if he could do something and he was yes. like no i can't i can't and you were just like sure i can do an italian accent whenever you need me to and i, I just think that's amazing how you know where you've come from and you know just being able to jump into that spot because like i said not a lot of people win a title especially as prestigious as the intercontinental title you know in their first appearance yeah i was kind of gifted that opportunity but then you know it's like a credit card man you got to pay it off after and i i definitely paid it off the, the guy you're talking about his name is his name was fearless jack bull he was like this evil knievel type character in obw hilarious absolutely hilarious and um he thought somebody was ribbing him doing a dusty Rhodes impression but it was actually dusty Rhodes calling him saying uh can you ride a motorcycle and he's like no and he's like, well, can you learn to ride a motorcycle? And he's like, nope. And uh, later on, when he saw the 203 area code, which is Stanford, Connecticut, he had a, a coronary. And and, and, that, and it actually cost him an opportunity. He was going to come up as an undertaker's like biker buddy at the time. Um, something like that. Like someone to ride Harleys with the undertaker. And the opportunity never came back. <laughs> and so so because of that, Dusty Rhodes had, had come to OVW. Cody was just starting there at the time. And they had a laugh about the misunderstanding. And then that's when he told us. He told the whole class. He goes, if if they ask you if you could ride a unicycle, you say yes, and then you better go find one and learn. Like, you know, you better figure it out. And I, so so on the way to Italy, I went to a, what's the bookstore there? Borders? Is that a bookstore? Yeah, Borders. Yeah. 
So I went to Borders and I, and I, I bought like an eight CD pack of Italian <laughs> lessons and my buddy downloaded them to my iPod and the entire flight, I'm just like coffee, 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 just listening <laughs> to Italian and just trying to absorb as much as I can. And uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I had a little promo the following day on ECW and, you know, uh, who's this guy? Santino came from the crowd and I just said a little thing. But then I knew I was going to have to return to Italy one day and, and, and speak. So I started studying with uh, Rosetta Stone. And uh, later I even got a tutor. And I went back to Italy and actually cut a promo in Italian in the ring. And the fans know it doesn't, it's not hard to find out I'm Canadian. But the fact that I was learning the language meant the world to them. And they were really appreciative. And it was actually, it was awesome. It was a good experience. I actually, my Italian got good enough. I did a live interview on TV one time and a live interview on the radio, which I was like shitting my pants, but uh, <laughs> it, it worked out. What was the, for you, when did it really hit you that, okay, I'm on the main roster and you're, you've had some interactions with not only obviously with, you know, Umaga and Mr. McMahon in that situation, but over your career, you had interactions with Stone Cold Steve Austin, mm -hmm. you know, the, the Hall of Fame thing with The Rock when The Rock was able to call you out on uh, on stage. And, you know, all these iconic names and you're interacting with them. Did you ever sort of like pinch yourself and say, I'm, I, I'm doing this? Yeah, I mean, you know, as soon as you, so it's funny because you're like fearless, on the way there, you know, you just, there was not a doubt in my mind that this was going to happen. And then as soon as you get there, all of a sudden you're a little bit afraid because you, I don't want to lose this. Like I need to stay here. Getting there is one thing. You got to stay there. And in the beginning, you know, things weren't for the first month or so. Santino wasn't kind of, kind of force fed to the people. Like, Who's this guy showing up and he can beat superstars. Doesn't make sense. But when I turned heel, uh, after I separated my shoulders in July or something like that. So I debuted in April. So this is July. So the first three months was kind of like, they weren't hundred percent sure. And then when I turned heel, Vince thought it was hilarious. And then, it, then I kind of got a grip, you know, of my, my spot, took hold of my, 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 my comedic spot. Um, and then I was getting the mic every every week, and I was putting in all these the funny game show with Ron Simmons and guest commentary. And that's when I said, "Okay, I, I'm I'm going to be here for a while, right?" And then I even saw some articles about you know the the, the longevity of a comedy role, and and then yeah, putting putting me in the ring like what well, anybody I did. A segment with Roddy Piper one time, and I'm just like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> like, that's, that's why I watched. You know, Roddy Piper was the best. And then when you're in the ring with Stone Cold and and uh, Michael Hayes, he had a good expression. He said one time, he said, "You've been scoring first down, first down, first down. Now we're going to see if you can cross the line and score a touchdown. You're in, you're in the big leagues now. You're you're in the ring. You're sharing the ring with Stone Cold, and." Um, you know, I held my own in that segment, and and I knew I was in good hands anyway. Like Stone Cold, right? <laughs> you know, like it's not it's not going to fall apart. He's 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 got the reins, and he, he was brilliant to work with, and super cool guy, like the nicest guy. Man, he's a solid dude. Yeah, I mean, and and, and, and 
So go ahead, Tommy. Go ahead. No, please. I was just I wanted to I wanted to ask. We've seen kind of this Mr. McMahon character. You know, you've talked about you know the people that you've interacted with, all these legends and stuff. The man who kind of created it all, Vince McMahon. You've had interactions with him. What what is he like? Because we've seen his character on screen. We've heard stories about him. But what is it like, especially I when you Vince. first walked in? You know, as you said, you got to talk with him on your first day. Like, what is that? What is that person like behind the yeah, scenes? You know what? Vince will put down what he's doing. He'll turn towards you, make eye contact, and say, "You know, tell me about yourself." And he's listening, and he means it. And uh, anytime, if you ever want to pitch something, he tells you, "Just knock on my door, come talk to me." And anytime I've ever done that, it's always been well received. Vince doesn't know how, how much I look up to Vince. He does as an alpha male, as a businessman. I mean. Now that I'm a business owner, <laughs> I have, you know, people that I, coaches under me and then gym members and everything. I super appreciate so much more everything he does. He doesn't micromanage, but he has the final say and he has to approve in the direction of everything and still find time to work out and still find time for his family. Like he sleeps three hours a day or four hours a day and he's just pedal to the metal. He's going to ride it till the wheels fall off. And that's the way I want to be. I want to be. I want to be, be like Vince, man, you know, in terms of go, go, go and being, he's super intelligent, he's disciplined and he's, he's everything you should want to be, you know, and yeah, okay, somewhere along the line, there was 30 guys that all wanted to be champion and, and only two of them got to be champion. So 28 guys are going to be pissed off that, you know, that doesn't make him a bad guy because he couldn't make everybody happy, but uh, he's made a lot of, he's made a lot of millionaires. He's made a lot of people that are very well off today. You know, for, for you, you've had the opportunity to be on the stage uh, from, from big stages. Um, but for you, I know, you know, you have, you, you have children, you're, you, have, you have a family. What was it like to make the, this decision to sort of walk away, go into retirement and say, you know what? This is enough for me. Like, we'll go back to the talk about the actual, you know, your, your wrestling career, man. But what, how hard was it for you to sort of step away? Um, to make that decision, uh, because I, you know, they, they always say once you're on TV and you get that exposure, sometimes it's like that drug and you don't want to give up on it for you. What yeah. was it like? What was well, it like for you? For me, it was also my neck. So I had a, a, a double cervical fusion and then like a couple months later, uh, three months later, actually, um, a couple of the screws were coming out. So they had to go back in and take out the titanium plate. And I think going in the second time kind of made it worse. You know, it was pretty tough to go in there and cut through all the scar tissue and stuff. So we were waiting for my neck to get well enough to come back. It just never got well enough to come back, to be honest. That, that's, you know, so there wasn't really a, a choice with regards to, you know, I could still I could still do it, but I, I don't want to fizzle out, that kind of thing. Um it was a physical thing. I wasn't able to do it anymore. And I mean, over the years, I've had four or five matches a year somewhere. I've, if somebody wants to fly me somewhere I want to go, <laughs> I'll go do a match just for the trip, you know, because uh, I enjoy the travel and, and stuff like that. And I'll work around it, and I'll take one or two bumps safely. But, you know, you can't be going on the road 300 days 
a year and bumping every single night. And it's just not fair if you're going to go there and say, hey, guys, I'm going to wrestle, but, uh, you know, you can't do anything to me. That's, you know, <laughs> it'd be nice, but he, it's not fair. I just, I just imagine that conversation. So here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to dominate you. You, you can't lay a finger on me, and yeah. I'm going to hit the Cobra one, two, three. And by the way, uh, it's for the title, so just give me the belt now. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so punch um, me in the stomach a bunch of times. <laughs> go for the elbow off the top rope. I'll move, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. You know, speaking of your, you know, sort of sporadic appearances, your one of your last appearances was actually right before everything happened in the Royal Rumble, the Women's Royal Rumble as Santina. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, being somebody like I said, somebody who's watched you and seen everything, mostly everything that you've done in WWE. I mean, I popped. I, I thought it was a great moment. What What was it like to come back, especially in that role, and looking at it from a way of, wow, you know, that's one of the last major shows that had such a large fan base there and you know now with oh, right, everything right. yeah it was i never thought of that um talent relations called me and they said are you available to do something and i said yeah sure let's it, 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 it would be a fun moment especially because i had some significant royal rumble moments um and I, you know in the beginning i was like oh man uh, santina <laughs> Oh, well, whatever they want, and, uh, <laughs> you know, due to the best of my ability. But I got sick, man. I was, uh, I was like, a night two days before, I was sick, and I was working till, like, midnight, and I had to get up at 4 in the morning, and it was just not enough sleep. And I got – and the way there, I was getting sicker, more sick. And uh, I just had to tough it out, man, you know, Buckley's and Sudafed's and just get through the day. And when I came home, I was like – beat man for like 48 hours could what have been COVID, like? i don't know what was it like for you in um, the locker room just your your impressions from when you started to obviously the royal rumble this year about the locker room um has the dynamic changed and what do you think on how the product has changed since you started back in 07 to where it is now yeah, the, the, it's funny. A lot of the guys, they tell me the locker room changed when, when I left because I just I brought a lot of positive vibes to the locker room. And, and, uh, and um, sorry, my thing fell out. Cauliflower ear, it doesn't stay in. <laughs> um, but it was great. There were so many friends there from, from the past that, you know, big pops, right? Everyone's like, oh, my God, what are you doing here? Because it's crazy, man. You spend so much time together like days and days and every day and five days a week and then European tours. It's, a, you know, it's just a lot of time for years and years. And all of a sudden, boom, you go, but we're all living in different parts of the country or the world. And then boom, you disappear. And the show, the show goes on and those guys are on the road and they're doing fine. And they're, they're doing what they got to do. And you just hope that from time to time, you'll cross paths at a convention or something. And, and, but it was a lot of guys that were still there. And it's not just the wrestlers. It's the seamstresses, the lighting guys, the camera guys. You see them for 10 years, like, you know, every single day. So it was nice to see everybody. Actually, for me, the Royal Rumble thing I did in the ring, that was just kind of what got me there, you know. But but the whole weekend was just a, a celebration of friendship and, and seeing a bunch of people. Just like the Raw reunion uh, was in Tampa, Florida. That was that was like a vacation for me. It was incredible. I was <laughs> I was having the best time. I was in the shut down the bar like both nights, just just 
seeing, uh, you know, because you go to the bar and it's uh, Undertaker and Stone Cold and Booker T and Boogeyman. And, I mean, the bar was just stacked and packed and Pat Patterson's at, uh, of the hotel. I'm like, I forgot that these are my friends, you know, that have been home for so long. Uh, focus. This Labor Day weekend is our seven-year anniversary at Battle Arts Academy. And I'm like, how the hell? That was, I thought WWE was fast. These past seven years were super fast, like way too fast. Yeah, building off of that, I mean, talk me through, what is it like running your own business? We kind of hit on it a little bit, but when you're a wrestler and you're kind of doing, you know, like you said, you're on the road 300 days a year, you're kind of just go, go, go. You got, you know, next city, next town, worrying about the next match. Now you're worrying about day-to-day operations, coaches, the people that you bring into the business. What is that like, you know, just having all that stuff to deal with coming out of such a demanding business in the wrestling world? Well, yeah, the wrestling world is, is it's demanding kind of physically on, on, in a different way. Like when you're on the road, you got to be good at killing time because sometimes you may have a three-hour drive, you know, you just got to kill some time. You can't do, you know, every night you're driving three to five hours on average, you know what I mean? So sometimes you're sitting in airports, you're sitting on flights. There's only so much you can do, guys. You know, I I used to see Kofi designing his next gear on his computer, and and uh, other guys are reading books or playing video games. So it's you know it's grueling because you always got to get to the next place. You always have that pressure of getting to the next town uh, safely, and then all of a sudden now it's like, oh my god, I have to manage everything. Like, are we out of cleaning supplies? And um, is make sure there's social media posts for the different teams and everything it's so much it's so much that when i went to the robber union it was a break you know when i got on the plane and there was no wi-fi i'm like oh, a break um it's like a, it's like if you're a priest you know you don't work nine to five you're a priest 24 7 and uh, when you're a business owner you're a business owner 24 7 there's no there's no punching out so i'm looking forward to stepping away from that aspect you know, one of, one of the funniest things that I remember seeing over time was uh, back, I think, in 2012, 2013, around that time. Uh, I think it was in 12. Uh, you were in the Royal Rumble match, and obviously the Cobra was a really big thing for you, and uh, you were in the ring with Mick Foley. Oh, yeah. Uh, and um, it, the, the comedy aspect, I, I think with comedy and wrestling, uh, Tommy and I have talked about this on some of our other shows that we did because we do an AW review show every single week with um, with one of our sister groups. And I think when done right, comedy can be a very, very important, great part of wrestling. When it becomes like a little overdone, like I think there's a lot of things that happen in over wrestling over the last 10 years where the comedy is just cringeworthy. Yeah. How were you able to manage? And the reason why I'm picking the thing with Mick, because it was so original and it was so funny because it was so it was done right. How was it able to for you to borderline it being from, you know, funny, slapstick humorish to getting to that point where it is cringeworthy? Have you ever had something that they proposed to you and you're like, ah, I just don't want to do that because that can be really, really, really. Uh. Yeah, there was a a new writer that came on one time and he was trying to write. So in the beginning, you know, 
they would write a script for me and I would kind of read it. And then over the years, it would become bullet points. And over the years, they would say, just say this and you bring it to life the way you know how to bring it to life. But there was one writer that was trying to write like Santino saying, I'm going to kick a, you're a butt. And I was just like, who the hell wrote that? Don't, I said, don't, just write it normal. I'll jazz it up. And But the thing with Mick Foley, I saw it recently. It came up on, on Twitter somewhere. That was, if you look at even look at his face, he is giggling the whole time we're doing it because he just <laughs> thinks it's it's the most amazing thing that we're doing. So there were so many different, uh, like in in movies, like the way we backed up into each other and turn around, and then it was like a cowboy scene where we were gonna draw and faking and faking. All of a sudden, we both went for the cobras, and it was at the and the timing of both of us putting our socks on was like perfect. And we were supposed to like lock up and go like back and forth like this way and then this way like you know when you see sorcerers battling with their beams or whatever. And um, but Cody throws that bastard. He broke it up <laughs> too too soon, and uh, we didn't get to go back and forth. But it was still a good moment. And and the people caught on right away as soon as we backed and turned, and everyone kind of went small and let us give us the center of the ring. And when we were circling each other, it was <laughs> it was awesome. He 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 called he he's been quoted as calling that the funnest moment of his whole career, which is crazy. He's had some insane moments. Yeah, and I, I have to ask for you, what are your favorite moments? You know, <laughs> that's I, one I, of them. <laughs> yeah, besides besides that, I think it's a great segue into it because, like, when I do these interviews, I always like to talk about you not talk about other people or the product and uh, for for you what were your some of your favorite moments um and then and if you don't mind tommy and i will tell you some of ours yeah. uh that you were involved in because and i'd love to get your opinion but what were some of yours well early in my career i had this match with kofi kingston in paris it was a live event and i just remember whatever we were doing the crowd was like going crazy and he hit me with something like, you know, spinning kick. And it was like, one, two. And I just grabbed the rope last second. And it was like, oh. And like, I was laying there going, wow. That is like a maestro and an orchestra. Like we just made them, collectively made them make that sound by how we played it out in the ring. And it was a cool moment. And um, gosh, there was some... I had a, a match with Jack Swagger <laughs> that we did all the time. And it was like, they used to call it a monitor sellout. So the, the boys in the back, when this match was up, everybody in the back was watching it and they were pissing their pants in the back because we just, we were having so much fun doing it and we would tweak it each time we did it to make it a little, little more silly, but it was funny, you know? And, and so the, God, we did that match so much. At one point, we heard someone in the audience yell out, you did that last year. <laughs> so I was like, oops, okay, time to change it. Um, of course, the Elimination Chamber was was a big moment. Um, and, and to uh, be honest, even my, my record elimination, the fastest elimination <laughs> in, the, in the Rumble, Good one. because that was – so when they told me it was going to be a quick, they said it was going to be a quick one. Like you're going to come in, you're going to get tossed out. And I said, I put my hand up and I said, can I kind of try and break a record? And it was Dimalenko, I believe. And he had to go ask somebody and they came back and said, yeah, 
you can try and break the record. So I, I got, <laughs> the, pay, the pay is the same, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I got paid like a million dollars an hour, but uh, I only worked for two seconds. So, <laughs> um, so I talked with, with Glenn Kane and then said, okay, I'm going to do this, 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 and you got to be right there. And, uh, and so a lot of the guys knew I was trying to break the record. So there was like pressure on me. Like I couldn't, if I slipped, on the way up, if I didn't just get up immediately, and if you watch it, it's like it was smooth and perfect. I slid, stood up, right out. There wasn't a wasted second, and it had to be perfect to break the record. It was only like two seconds. Uh, I did like one point nine or something. Um, yeah, and we executed it. Kane was right there at the right time, like perfect, you know, like legend perfect. He's 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 awesome, and uh, they tried to beat it. I think three times now. I can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of my favorite moments of yours is the 2011 Rumble. You know, you, it's one, at the time, it's the biggest Royal Rumble. Yes, the Del Rio moment. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you kind of, I think you got knocked out of the ring or something yeah. like that. And you show up in the background and you're just sitting there ready with the Cobra. And I mean, like, as a, as a fan, wanting the underdog to win. I mean, that was just such a, a cool moment and the crowd popped. I mean, it was a great moment. Obviously, you know, Del Rio ended up winning that match, but for me, that was just such a cool moment to see, you know, the underdog, you know, as, as yeah. I said, a guy like, like you, you know, guy who hasn't always been um, presented at the top and you finally get this chance, you know, you're finally getting there and it just, you come up just short. But I mean, for me, like I said, it was, it was so cool for me to watch that. So like I, think I said, that's the magic of Santino is that yeah. he always just came a little short. And the beauty of it is that people were never satisfied. They always wanted to see him get that. And, and it, it was a special relationship with like, God, man. So even my brother, the way I was selling the reaction when I was going to hit him with the Cobra, he's like, I thought you were going to win it. And, I was at a signing at SummerSlam last year and I talked to these guys and they're kind of like my age, I'm 46. They're older guys, but they're wrestling fans. And they're like, they were talking about that Royal Rumble and they said, you know, we, we thought you were going to win it. And we're like, huh, Santino in the main event of WrestleMania. Like, that works for me. I'm okay with that. I'm good with that. Like it's, it's, it's a, and uh, so at the time, yeah, there was a lot of support and momentum and it made people think, are they going to do this? Uh, you know, I, I, I can, I can see it. Yeah. And, I mean, I, uh, then we took it from him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's kind of like the magic of your character. Like you mentioned, cause it's like you, you talked about earlier, the elimination chamber, the next year, you were a one count away from, from winning the match against Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And, but I mean, even with that, you also captivated the audience. One of my other favorite moments is the segment with you and Vladimir Kozlov and Seamus with the, uh, how do you like your milk or coffee milky? Oh, that's yeah. a great moment. I mean, the audience is just eating it up out of your hands. So what it is it like? It was a perfect location too, because exactly. it was England yeah. and they have that, that connection to comedic wrestling. And I remember that was like an 18 minute segment or something. It was long. And uh, I've never had an 18 minute segment before on, <laughs> on raw. And I mean, I sat down with Vince and, and mostly triple H and I usually don't get those guys to go over my segments. You know, I get Mike Rotundo. <laughs> I love my, I like, I love Mike Rotundo, but I mean, I don't get Triple H and Vince to to sit in and and 
talk it through with me and work it through. But for that, um, I, I got them, and it was, and we we delivered. Right? It's a it's a like a classic moment now. Um, <laughs> we're just having a good time. For for me, um, I have a I have like about three or four, but one of the ones obviously we were talking about before was Stone Cold Steve Austin, and uh, obviously you're you're reviewing the Condemned, and you had Maria with you, which by the way, like I've met Maria before, she's an absolute sweetheart, and um, you know you guys worked very very well together, where worked you know off each other very very well, and I, I have to ask with Stone Cold, you know, doing the beer the beer bath thing and you know what was that experience like again you said before he's a he's a pro's pro and oh he's awesome you know was it you know i know they don't really script much for steve <laughs> yeah well he he went way off i mean like they had something <laughs> written down and as soon as he started he was like i'm like that's not what we're supposed to be saying but then i'm like it's stone cold so i guess we're okay yeah and uh yeah and I, yeah, I, I held, <laughs> it's funny because I would never like try and outdo Stone Cold as myself, but as Santino, you can say all those things that you wouldn't normally say in, in real life, you know, in real life. But uh, yeah, that was a, a fun moment. I, oh, apparently I'm uh, was it one of the top 10 or top five, let's say top 10 uh, cells of the stunner. I'm, I'm on the video from that <laughs> that's cool um what one of the other ones is from again like we talked about with the rock with the hall of fame uh and rock obviously came back in 2011 as well and i, I have to ask your your impressions not just of the rock but of of dwayne johnson the person and you, you know you had the opportunity i guess to talk with him a little bit what was it what was the interaction like how was he with the locker room and and, and obviously that the moment in two, in that moment in 2008 obviously you probably knew that was coming uh that, that he was going to you know bring you up in the conversation so what was it like with dwayne yeah so the first time uh so at the time of the hall of fame i hadn't met him he just, you know, called me up and I stood up. And it was a, it was definitely a rub because things were going really well at the time. And there wasn't really a lot of guys. I was the new up-and-coming guy, you know, in 2008. And um, I, I became a staple on the program. So it was definitely – I, I saw it as a – because The Rock was very funny too. And I saw it as a, as a, as a tribute, you know, like a whatever. You're the guy, <laughs> handoff, whatever you want to call it, uh, acknowledgement. But when I first actually met him, He's walking backstage. I can't remember where it was. Maybe Long Island or something like that. And he has an entourage around him of like it was four people at the time. Like he's in the middle, right? They're all like two in the front, two in the back. And he's power walking down. You know, he can't stop to talk to people because there's going to be a million people coming up to him and stuff. And he sees me and he puts on the brakes and stops everybody and goes, hey, man, I, I love what you're doing. And he came over and, and I'm just like, man, this guy is so busy, people all around him, and he took the time to stop and come over and tell me that he likes what I'm doing. And it was just so, and like, again, like th that, that same sincerity and, and giving you that individual attention, and like Vince and Stephanie and Triple H, when it comes time to talk, they put down everything and you got their undivided attention. And he did that. And that, that, that speaks volumes to me of what kind of person he is. And that, now I know why everyone loves The Rock, not just fans, but everyone that works with The Rock because he's, he's cool as cool can be and so nice. 
you, and and talented, right? I mean, but you can be talented if you're a jerk. Nobody's going to want to work with you. But he's talented and he's a super nice guy, like so respectful. It's crazy. And and I guess I also you know my my big thing is one of the things that I'm very uh, I hit home on, and Tommy knows this very well. Is presentation on how a character is pre uh, presented to the audience, and if they switch companies or or go or go a different route on how they're presented. Did you ever wonder, especially now with sort of like the wrestling industry is back on a little bit of a boom, with Impact Wrestling sort of getting their footing back after a, sort of a down period? AEW here, um, with some, seeing some of these guys go from WWE to one of those organizations and how they're presented. Have you ever thought about what it'd be like for you going to one of these organizations on how they would present you? Because like you said before, comedy was a very big thing for you in WWE, but going to another organization, it could have changed. It could have been, you, you know, you could have been more judo oriented or yeah, like there's a lot of people that when they see video of me as Boris Alexiev from OVW, they're like, why the hell wasn't he that guy? That guy, is, he looks awesome, you know. Um, there just wasn't a job opening for that guy at the time. Um, I did a match last year for uh, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. And I came out as Anthony Corelli and I did a work shoot. And it was, I love doing that style. And I always thought it would be fun to come back as a hard-nosed, kick-ass wrestler. And Arn Anderson, who, you know, is the the authority of professional wrestling to me, he's like, you'd be crazy to do that. People want to see Santino. They know Santino. You've got it down pat. It's fail-proof. Just come out and give him more Santino. I'm like, but I've done Santino. Like, I, I want to challenge myself in terms of uh, acting or wrestling or whatever it is. So you're kind of torn between, you know, typecasting yourself or, or and challenging yourself. Um, ultimately, it's whatever they would they would want. But um, I do want to go back into the business, but as a commentator. So I would have to be Anthony Corelli. Welcome to Monday Night Raw, ladies and gentlemen, and that kind of thing. And uh, what a maneuver! And uh, <laughs> you know, come. I don't want to do commentary as Santino, so. Um, I think there's going to post COVID. There's going to be opportunities for me with uh, one of the major companies. I, I always want to go to WWE first, just because they changed my life and I'm loyal. Um, but if they don't have an opportunity, I'll, I'll go somewhere else. Uh, one of the things I have to ask about: I saw a picture in Chris Jericho's book <laughs> of you wearing a Charlie Brown's outfit. Can you please <laughs> please explain this to me, please? <laughs> uh, we were doing uh, something with Snoop, the do Snoop Dog. So Santino kept calling him Snoopy the Dog, and <laughs> because of Snoopy the Dog, he dressed up as Charlie Brown. <laughs> I have a picture of that somewhere. Yeah, the, apparently there was a chapter about me in his book, and it's, it refers to me as Santino Gump because of all the different <laughs> all the different lives I've had. Like you know. In conversation, sometimes I'll be like, oh, back when I was teaching high school and uh, I went to teacher's college. And he's like, what? You taught high school? <laughs> and then I said, back when I, back when I was a customs broker or back when I was a bartender, back when I was a bouncer. And, and I worked for the singing telegram company of Montreal one time in university. I used to be a power ranger. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, how many different 
jobs and lives have you had? And there's other jobs I can't get into now. But um, anyway, so he, <laughs> he wrote a whole chapter uh, in his book about all the different lives. And, and it's funny because the WWE, when I look back, is, is, a, is a chapter, right? I'm, at the time, I was 40 years old, and I did it for 10 years. That was a quarter of my life. But there was a whole chapter before that. Um, you know, I was a judo athlete and, uh, I was a young father and my daughter's 25 years old. She's training. She's going to be down in NXT next year. And, wow. uh, okay. she's wicked. She's going to do very good. Actually, you guys will see. She's a good actor too. Like she's funny. Um, and then like, I already have now a seven year chapter of battle arts post WWE. So WWE is not even my most recent chapter. And, and, and now I have a toddler i have a turning two in october and there's a whole nother chapter of this this kid and hopefully my wife and i will have more kids and uh and we're moving up north like we're, we're moving away from the city for the first time we're moving to our dream property up up uh, up north man close to the beach and we're back onto a forest and we're gonna have change our life like completely so that's coming up october 15th so here's a, a whole new chapter coming up yeah, I mean, what what's it like going into that new chapter? You know, for me, I just graduated college, so I'm kind of I entered into such a strange world with the COVID and everything going oh, on. But you know, I've always tried to be the kind of person where it's the glass half full. You know, there's something positive going on, and for you, yeah. you know, you definitely come off as the kind of person who it's everything's positive. You try to have a, a positive mindset. So what is it like to be able to finally get to that next chapter? Because like you just mentioned, you have seven years of history. You have, you know, a history at WWE, but now you're finally being able to step out and get away from not only WWE business, but also your own business and kind of be that family man. So what is that like coming from everything that you've experienced? Yeah. You know, I look back at, at, traveling around the world with super fond memories, you know. Uh, the, the interesting thing is, is figuring out what's enough. Uh, you know, for example, when you get there, so let's say, you know, I, when I got signed, I had $33,000 in student loan debt from university, and you don't know how long you're going to be there. And, and, and if you're there for, what, what was the average career? It was like three years just say the average and you're like okay if i make decent money let's say you're making a couple hundred thousand dollars for three years that's not retirement money you know you have to always keep you have to have an exit strategy at all times because you don't know when you're going to blow your knee out or, or whatever um and then the notion of yeah what what's enough what do i really need to to I'm 46, right? So I'm, I, I don't want to work so much anymore, but I don't, I can't just stop working now, but, but I've set myself up in a way where I can work a little bit and have everything I, I, I want, you know? Um, so yeah, we're going to move where we're downsizing. I'm starting another little gym up there, but it's going to be just like one-on-one -on -one personal training, two, three clients a day, done. Simple, easy, no complications. And, uh, and that's, you know, I had to have, I've, I've done hectic. I've done seven days a week, 16 hour days sometimes. Um, so I'm done with that. And, and, and I've done it. And it was good to get me where I am here, but uh, I wouldn't want to. It, it's like, you know, it's like some, some uh, construction guys that do drywall. 
when they're young, you can hammer that out for 10 years and make tons of good money, right? But you can't do that forever. It's too hard. And it's the same with, with what I got myself into with wrestling. I don't, you know, since I've been retired, I've been spending a lot of my time trying to get myself healthy like my my back was messed up i got some stem cells my neck was it's i got a double fusion so that's bad i've been doing yoga i got a bad ankle like i mean it got, hurt my knee so i'm just trying to keep myself healthy for longevity you know i started doing hot yoga and all that stuff i have to go hang upside down after this i'm gonna go in the basement and hang upside down decompress my back so there's a lot of damage that's done and and, and now it's all about quality of life you know and not only that but also it doesn't hurt to have that cameo money coming in to us oh I, yeah I, I love cameos man i, I got i'm mean, i got waiting here right now and I, I, I don't I, I don't charge too much i got eight waiting that's like 200 bucks well, well, say, you may not back. you may not know this but you did you did one for for my boys you oh that's you, right, right. yeah you did one for my boys uh mason and brett uh, Mason, oh, okay. so you uh, you were very nice, and you did it, and you told them to make sure that they don't do the wrestling moves to each other, and uh, <laughs> and how they did with the quarantine uh, ed uh, quarantine education. So you were you were great for them, and they were so excited that they're. Uh, I'll tell you how many I did right now. So I basically started this during COVID, and uh, where are we here? I've done two hundred and eighty five of them. Wow! It's funny because the the gym shut down, and you know I didn't want to dip. Started living off of savings, but this this cameo money was paying the the groceries anyway. So yeah, I'm happy that it's here. There's a new <laughs> one out. There's a new platform out where it's a hundred bucks for a ten minute FaceTime. Oh, wow! But the That's... guy who's doing it doesn't really have the the. He, has, he doesn't have an app. It's like a website. It's kind of not. I told the cameo guys to do that. I'll talk with someone for 10 minutes. For <laughs> well, coach, I, I was talking with coach not too long ago and coach told me that uh, cameo is trying to set it up where they can do, where you can buy like a 10 minute spot with somebody. And, and once the 10 minutes is up, it cuts off. Yeah. The, ca the cameo is working on that. So I don't know how far along they are with that, but I think that's like, again, look, look what we're doing. We have a social media platform now that's be, being able for people to connect with you know, stars, to connect with their fan base like that. And I think it's absolutely amazing. And, you know, it's a good you, value too, man. Like, and this is the thing in today's time, everybody has everything. Well, what are you going to buy someone for, for their birthday? Everyone has everything they want. We live in North America. It's paradise here. We got what you want. You, you know, if you need something, you go buy it. So people are often stumped on what to get people. You can't get another mug, you know, but you can get them, you can get them a cameo and it's a great memorable present. So it's actually really good. And it's a good value. If I thought if there's somebody I, I cared about talking to for a hundred bucks, fuck yeah, I'll, I'll do that. No problem. I, that's, if it's someone, I mean, that, that that's my rate. I'm sure like Rick Flair is more, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Rick, <laughs> Rick, Rick is, I think Rick is like $500 or something like that. That's yeah, but even still, like I pay 500 bucks to talk to Rick Flair. Yeah. 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 Um, my, listen, um, Anthony, my, my last question, because I know like we've had John here for almost an hour, and we appreciate your time so much. Holy um, smokes, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have to ask what do you want to be remembered for not only as a as a professional wrestler you know being in the wwe 
but also outside of the ring. How would you like, if people say your name, Anthony Corelli or, or Santino Morel, how do you want to be remembered? Um, for a second, I thought you were going to say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, <laughs> you know what? When people say, oh, I, Santino, I want someone to go, just point and go, that's a good dude, man. A good person. I never screwed anybody over. And um, I, I honor and word is important to me. You know, if you say something, do it. You know, don't stab people in the back and, and just, you know, be positive and um, be grateful too, man. A lot of people need to be grateful for things they have. Like, for example, a second ago, I mentioned we live in North America. We have everything we want. It's paradise. And a lot of people, they, they're shitting on everything that's going on. You know, you know, social media and the elections and COVID and whatever, the media, music industry, there's a lot of ne negative things out there if you focus on it. But at the end of the day, it's paradise, man. We can do anything we want. Like, we, we are free. We get to go up and, you know, you can plan your, like, tomorrow. You have to go to work, but, I mean, let's go bike riding. Let's go for a walk. Let's play catch. Let's do whatever. You can do anything you want. Um, generally, people live in safe you have access to food and water and electricity. People have to break it down <clears throat> to the essentials. So sometimes it's good to go backwoods camping. You ever go camping back where you take a canoe, portage, go up into the mountains where you're no cell phone signal. And all of a sudden you start appreciating running water and you start appreciating electricity. And you start appreciating toilets in the house. And, and, and just to get primitive to realize how good we really got it when we go home. You can open the fridge and there's all that food there and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, you just start appreciating. Appreciation and gratitude goes a long, a long, long way. And the more uh, appreciative you are, you, you watch how the good fortune keeps coming in, the more you're truly grateful for things. I don't know if that was the answer to your question. Yeah, no, it's, it's no, it's a really good answer. I got um, deep on there for a second. <laughs> yeah, you know, for me, it's not really a question, but I, I mentioned that you know I've been a big fan of yours because you were, like I said, you know, around when I was growing up and stuff. How, and how old are you now? I'm 22. Oh shit! So you were like a kid. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I so was like 13 like years ago. You were nine years I, old. Yeah, I'm, I'm admitting my age. I'm 40, so I, 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 no, I uh, but, but you know what though? I debuted. You were nine years old. Yeah, I remember. I your, you know when someone's on TV in a special. Yeah, <laughs> I watched your debut yeah. live. I remember that episode vividly. Honestly, for some but, reason, everyone watched that episode. It was like the ratings <laughs> were good because <laughs> one one of my favorite things when I came back to to Toronto was running into old high school friends. And them telling me where they were that that night, because okay. uh, there's a lot of friends from my high school that called each other. Hey, put it on raw. It's fucking Corelli. Oops, and uh, or or people's <laughs> wives saying, "Honey, come here. Didn't you go to school with this guy?" And people, you know, and, and everyone tells me where they were and how they saw it and how they found out. And I, I was actually one of my favorite things. Yeah, I mean. It's, it's just so cool. You know, I, I try not to fanboy out here, but you talked about how you want to be remembered as, you know, just a grateful person and, you know, somebody that's fun to be around. And just, I just want to honestly thank you for not only giving us this opportunity to talk with you, but just for being so fun to talk to. I mean, being able to kind of like relive your career and getting to talk and, you know, get inside your mind has just been something that I've been looking forward to 
the minute Randy asked me to join with him, and you know, it's definitely lived up to what I was what I was hoping for. So I oh, I thanks, man, thanks. So, so uh, AJ Styles and I, we, we we missed like he was on WWE after I was already gone. So when I went to the, I went there for something. It was in Toronto. I can't remember. Anyway, the first time I met AJ Styles, I go, hey, how you doing, man? I'm a big fan of Anthony. And he goes, hey, man, because I hear you're pretty fun on the European tours. <laughs> and I'm like, is that what I'm remembered by? Being fun, <laughs> being fun on the European tours? And I go, oh, I'll take it. <laughs> it's something. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, can you let everybody know where they can find your social media and on the web? Um, my Twitter is Milan Miracle. And my Instagram is the Milan Miracle. That's about it. There's no uh, <laughs> there's no websites. There's no Facebook. It's just a regular person account. So just those mm. two. Well, I I really appreciate you know I know Tommy does too. But we really appreciate you coming on. Um, you were what somebody we like. I said we were, we had a, a list of guys that we wanted to talk to, and you were right there on the top. Because again, I look at people for not only what they've done in the ring. But the effect that you've had on so many people, especially with your gym and being able to help motivate people to make themselves better, uh, there's not a lot of guys out there who do that. So again, you are top of the list, and we we wish you, um, you know, all the safety in the world with all the situations that's going on right now with COVID and all the other craziness that's going on. We we thank you for your time tonight. We really do. Oh, thank you. It's been my pleasure, actually. Uh, and got, and uh, you know we'll be we'll, we'll definitely be in touch and we'll hopefully we we'll oh and I'm sorry I have to ask this question because uh, Tommy and I are so involved with it your opinions because we know that you're friends with uh, Cody what is your what is your opinion of what they've been able to pull off with AEW I don't know if you've been able to watch the product as much but um, I don't watch it too much um, you know it's, I mean it's it's great that it's there to have another. <clears throat> big money option is good for the industry. Uh, I know they were trying to get guys like, you know, benefits and uh, hire them as employees. And it's, so it's very good. There was one thing. So now they got a lot of good wrestlers, but in the beginning they had like a handful of good wrestlers and a lot of indie guys. And I know indie wrestling got popular and kind of trendy for a while, but because people can can share clips. Like, oh, look at this move this guy did to the outside. And then this guy gets popular because of a clip, like a viral clip. But you didn't see his whole match. This guy might suck. And he might not, <laughs> he might not know how to wrestle. But he did a crazy move to the outside. So all of a sudden, all these indie guys, a lot of them were like, you know, they have these like, you know, cult followings. And then they get called up and it's cool to watch them. And then guys watch them and go, oh, now I see why they're in the Indies. Because some of them, they weren't that good. Some of them were. But there, uh, there was a few guys that shouldn't have been there in the beginning. But now you got guys coming that have that storytelling component. And hopefully they can bring the other guys up to speed. Because it's great to have that creativity and that ingenuity from the Indies. But it has to be matched with that uh classic storytelling component and once you mesh it it's awesome but uh unfortunately the quality of the education that's out there these days it's a bit diluted guys that shouldn't be owning schools and they're teaching a bunch of garbage and then those guys open schools and you're like 
just regurgitating something that's not correct, you know? And so there, there, there is some, and I go do make the rounds sometimes at some indie events and I just shake my head, man, these guys, they're just not putting together matches the right way. And, and they just don't really, uh, I mean, I was blessed with an incredible professional wrestling education. And so I can't blame them for not knowing that they, they didn't go to the same school as me. Um, but the education is, is, is not what it should be. There are some amazing schools, don't get me wrong, but there's also, unfortunately, some shit schools. Well, on, uh, on that note, I, and uh, I know, Tommy, I can speak for you when I say, Anthony, thank you so much for giving us some time tonight. And, uh, you know, again, be safe, and we'll definitely see you down the line. And, you know, we're really looking forward to, uh, you know, if we can ever help you promote anything, you know, anything that's going on, we'll definitely be glad to help you out the best way possible. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. All right. Thank you very much. Later. You got it. All right. That was uh, Anthony Crelli's Santino Morella. Tommy, a lot to, uh, lot to sort of, sort of digest there with what we were talking about with them. But uh, I, I hope everyone really, you know, gets a, gets a lot out of this interview. We had, we had fun. I know being able to talk about some, and I think when you have the guys who did comedy, it's always a lot more to dive into because you can go back and talk about individual funny moments like the stuff with Foley rock and Austin. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think it was, it's great because you look at his in-ring work and he did such a great job with that. But like you said, his comedy was so well done. He knew how to captivate an audience in so many different ways. And you look at the greats who can do that. And he's definitely up there with, with some of those. And it's, it was such a, such a fun interview to be able to pick his brain and understand, you know, what was going on, with all those special moments and, you know, getting to see the kind of backstage stuff. So it's what a great interview. It was great to have him on here. All right. And you can listen to all of our great interviews that we do from off topic, the hardwood huddle, uh, trifecta deep six wrestling podcast, all of them here at backsportspage.com. for Tommy Smith. My name is Randy Zellia. Tommy, hold on one second. And uh, we'll see you next time here on off topic.